Hey everyone, welcome to episode 39 of Layout. Uh, I'm Rafa. <laughs> and I'm Kevin. <laughs> and this week we are talking about uh, letting go of side projects, uh, the Apple Mac book, the coffee table book, and for our main topic, the difference between UX designers and UI designers and product designers and how UX relates to the profession, I guess. So uh, let's get to the show. I have a rant. I have a rant. Perfect. I have a rant. Perfect. Do it. It's time for Rafa's rant. Um, <laughs> wait, is this a show? <laughs> yeah. Sure. Okay. This is the show. Uh, I just have a quick rant, dude. All right. I bought the Osmo Mobile. 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 Oh, is that the gimbal uh, thing? That's the gimbal thing. So it's a stabilizer you put your phone in. I'm kind of surprised uh, you didn't already I have it. I know, right? Well, it seems like it's right up your alley. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, I already spent too much money on camera gear thing. But uh, I was here and I broke my uh, Gorilla Pod for my DSLR again. Uh, that thing, I'm so pissed because I paid like 200 bucks for that. And what? It lasted me a month. What? Your Gorilla anyway. Pod was $200? Yeah. I know that Whoa. I could buy it for cheap uh, if I bought it like online or something, but at this camera store place uh, they charge me 200 holy shit anyway i didn't yeah, think I those things were so anyway, expensive i went to the apple store uh i bought the gimbal thing because it look it looks cool and neat and it was the it was one of the worst uh setup processes that i've like that i've been through so you buy it and actually it was vlogging so i was um, i was filming the whole process and then I bought it at the Apple Store. I did an unboxing thing, and I was very excited to try it. And then I tried to turn it on, and nothing. I was like, "What the hell is happening? This is broken, or what?" And apparently, like the battery comes like empty. So that was a bummer. Then I had to charge the battery first, and then uh, it charges via um, headphone jack, three point five millimeter jack, which <laughs> I thought I was like was free from the headphone jack, but then boom. Um, and of course, that's not a very high-powered uh, bus, so like it takes three hours to charge the thing. Whoa, wait. You can charge over that thing? Yeah, you can. <laughs> Remember the iPod Shuffle? We only had the oh headphone jack thing. <laughs> yes, I forgot yeah. about this. But it, it's a terrible, yeah, it's a terrible uh, bus. To, anyway, so I had to charge the thing. Three hours, uh, and then I do charge it. I was actually here at Marshall Box uh, Place. We were going to watch uh, Westworld. And I put the phone in, stabilize it, turn it on. Great, let's try this. And then you have to use a DJI app. And so I opened, I had to install the app. I was like, crap, okay, fine. I'll go to the app store, download the thing, open the app. And then, all right, you have to sign in um, <laughs> to create your DJI account, whatever. <sighs> it was terrible. But why do you need to create an account to use this thing? Like it's a physical product. You have it in your hands because reasons. I know, but anyway, I had to do that. Um, create the account, and then I could finally use the thing. <laughs> uh, and then the app is terrible. <laughs> um, like it really is terrible. DJI's app and GoPro's app, all of the every camera-related app is terrible. So. Uh, it's like if I want to use uh, neat features, like and have the real like 
the full experience of the gimbal and like software and hardware working together, you have to use a DJI app, which makes sense. But the, the app is terrible. So, for example, it only uh, shoots at uh, 30 frames a second. So if I want to record video at 60 frames or 24 frames, which is the most like the, the most used one, uh, you can't. So, <laughs> so if I if I want to record some slow mo or something, I have to use other app. But if you use other app, you can like explore the full potential of the gimbal stuff. Like for example, the DJI uh, app has something that is pretty neat, which you can create a time lapse. Like you can set point A and point B and point C, and then create a time lapse, and the gimbal will like slowly, while shooting a time lapse, like slowly moving the camera, right? Mm-hmm. Which creates these awesome time lapses, uh, but you can't do that uh, outside the app. So then, you could use uh, the stock camera app on your iPhone, but you can't use like all the controls of the gimbal. Like, you can't use the record and stop recording buttons, and you can use a lot of stuff. And then I try this Filmic Pro app. You know, about, have you heard about this app? No, it's like a third-party camera. Uh, app like to to shoot video like professional is it's it's very powerful you have you have all the <laughs> like you can ch- change your ISO exposure and focus and you can change the frame rate you can change the 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 megabits per second whatever like you have a lot of control but the app really does suck like <laughs> UI wise it's terrible so it's like I have to I just do like take compromises and I just want to use the goddamn thing. <laughs> so it makes me wonder should we build a, <laughs> a third party camera app? Maybe made for vloggers? By we. I don't know. You mean who? <laughs> By me and you. Ah, um. And the listeners. <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, it? isn't it like. I'm assuming that it's not something that a third party could do uh, if you need to integrate with the Osmo hardware. So that Filmic Pro app, it does um, support the Osmo. I'm not sure how that works. Like if they had to work like closely with DJI itself or if DJI provides APIs, I, I don't know. But it does support it and you can change and you can do stuff like you can't even like on the official DJI app, uh, stuff like change modes. So you could use the little um, joystick thing to change the focus, for example, or change the exposure, um, stuff like that. So it is possible, I guess. I don't know. Huh. I don't know. But it, ju- it just breaks my heart because uh, why? Why does it have to suck so bad? Why? I don't know. Anyway, they can believe Glowing review. That's my rant. I'm sorry. Uh, DJI, if you want to sponsor layout. (laughs) (laughs) I guess there's no chance now. Uh, Well, I have have nice things to say about them. Just not not about their app. Uh, No, no. Fix your app. Uh, (laughs) All right. uh, So something terrible happened. Uh, Sure. Do you know what I'm talking about? What? I do because I'm looking at the show notes, but why don't, why would you enlighten Stop reading my mind. Uh, (laughs) um, So uh, Casey Neistat is ending his vlog. He is. And I know you're a huge fan of his and he's, Mm -hmm. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he's like one of the inspirations between you that like, uh, like inspired you to create your vlog, right? 
Absolutely. So how do you feel about this? Uh, I feel pretty sad and excited for the future. Uh, so we've talked about Casey before on the show. He's, I want to say, the most influential vlogger and one of the most influential YouTubers all around. Mm-hmm. Um, he basically created this vlog style slash format that we see everywhere now, including my own. After two years, he's, yeah, he's going to stop doing vlogs. Uh, so that's sad, but <laughs> uh, if you watch his, um, well, I guess his latest vlog where he announces he's quitting, uh, he explains why, why he's doing this. And I think it's a pretty um, honorable and like good reason. He takes balls. <laughs> Basically, before he had, before he started doing the vlogs, uh, he had an HBO show. So he, he's like a filmmaker already before. Um, and then he started doing just regular YouTube. So no not vlogs, but just YouTube videos. Uh, and then two years ago, he decided to start vlogging because as a filmmaker, he felt that he was like stagnating and not really like pushing himself. So, and he was not like creating as many videos as he would like to. So by committing himself to do a daily vlog, it, w- it would be one way to like evolve as a, like evolve his skills uh, and push himself to just create more and more, right? Yeah. And He's been doing that for two years, and apparently, like for the past six months, uh, he like he found his rhythm. He's he found his format, and it became like comfortable to him. He was not like pushing himself anymore. It was just this thing that he he figured it out, he mastered it, and now he's just doing it right. And he got uh, immensely popular because of this. He got very like he got a lot of success, and he he could just keep doing this and keep. You know, feeding himself off of the success he, he created, he made for himself, but he he just wanted to push himself forward. So he's stopped he's gonna stop doing his vlogs. And I mean he said he's gonna still post uh, regularly in on YouTube, but I'm not sure what that's gonna look like. So uh, instead of doing like a one day prep and thing, like a vlog is just one day. You do everything in one day. So he's, he wants to give himself more time. Um, to do more ambitious projects. So, yeah. I just wonder, is, is vlogging going to stop being cool now? Sending <laughs> <laughs> there. Uh, no, I, I don't I don't think it'll stop being cool. <laughs> but, I, I mean, I think if you've been doing something every single day for, like, what, over two years, mm-hmm. like, it, it must, after a while, like, it must feel like you've, like, done everything you possibly could you know like he like you like you said he's like really nailed the process and now it probably feels kind of bar- boring and exhausting to him right like <laughs> to like have to keep this thing up every single day like just thinking about it like it sounds crazy to me <laughs> like it's way too much work i think uh to like do this every single day and and yeah. try to have other stuff on top of it. And that's something he mentioned in his video that like there's no way he can do his new thing without uh stopping what he's currently doing right now cuz it's not, like impossible to do both at the same time. I relate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um and this is why I it got me thinking about um side projects and how like sometimes you can have side projects that are somewhat successful um, and you did enjoy doing them when you started them. Uh, 
but then after a while it like kind of stops being fun um mm-hmm. or you have like other things that you really care about that you really want to do um and like maintaining your existing side projects like just doesn't allow you the time to do that and yeah. so yeah i think i don't know it's it's important to know when to end projects right like I think you've ended a couple of side projects recently. Yeah. Have you? It's hard. It's really hard. Uh, more than your job, like your full-time job. I think like side projects are just by nature much more personal. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like your, like your babies, right? It's like, um, it's hard to give them away. Uh, so my first real big side project was Sketchcast. I started out doing that. I, I love doing it. I had a lot of fun. And again, it was like, it was my thing. So it has you have a different kind of motivation when it's your thing and you're really invested on it. And like right now I am transition. I'm leaving that behind. I really, I, I was not having fun anymore and I just wanted to do other stuff and I couldn't keep doing everything. So I had to give something up and Sketchcast was the... Uh, first victim so like right now i'm transitioning i'm still editing videos i'm still posting um but like i'm not recording the videos anymore i'm actually um ramon he's doing that ramon gilbert he's an awesome designer like he was a sketchcast uh listener viewer member uh since the early days like he's I, i consider him a friend now and he's been like evolving and growing alongside sketchcast like i saw him grow as a designer which is awesome yeah that's awesome and he is he's so good man he's so talented now (laughs) really like he's very young and super talented um if you don't if you're not familiar with his work just check his website now like he looks amazing um i should probably find that and put it on the show notes (laughs) i was just typing up a message (laughs) so you put a link in the show notes (laughs) (laughs) so like actually it's first I thought about just shutting down Sketchcast, right? And moving on. Uh but then like Sketchcast was the thing that made me like it helped me make a name for myself. Meaning that before Sketchcast I had like <laughs> four hundred Twitter followers. I was a designer in Portugal working in these small agencies and stuff. And Sketchcast was a thing that opened a, like a big window to like for me, right? Uh, that's where I got some more exposure. I was able to make some connections with some other designers in, in the Bay Area and like in my Twitter feed and stuff. So that really helped me grow. Uh, it was the, my big first project. And being able to give that opportunity to someone else, even though it's not really the same thing, but it's just it's just a one platform that I feel like I could it could help other young designers. So... As long as I feel that it could provide that to other people, I'm going to keep it around. Um, and again, I'm not like as involved as it was before, but it's still, it's still running and, and it's still growing. So, uh, yeah, uh, I decided to keep it around and maybe like make this project to other people, not just, not just my project, but make this something for other people mm-hmm. as well that could invest in and grow. So, yeah. And I mean, now uh, even Break the Safe... I had a shit ton of fun doing that. I love that. Uh, and I just can't put as much work as I want to on it. Like, And it breaks my heart. It's like one of those side projects I really want time to 
dedicated to it and it just breaks my heart. I can't I can't do it. Right. If anyone wants to help, by the way, <laughs> so if you're a listener and if you know how to write Swift, um it would be good if you have some experience with WatchOS. If you want to be involved in this side project of mine uh, and help, and you want to help me, uh, get in touch. So <laughs> there you have help. it. Yeah, but again, I feel like dropping, like letting go of side projects, is an opportunity to embrace new projects. Mm. So it's not bad. You don't have to feel bad. Yeah. Uh, no, as Casey and I said said in in that video, it's like he said his career is like a uh, a forest, and you are swinging from vine to vine like going through the forest and so each vine is like a project and in order for you to keep moving forward you have to let go of a vine in order to grab a new one uh, and you could just like holding on to that one vine but then you're not moving forward right and it can be comfortable it can be cozy in that vine <laughs> <laughs> but I, I i thought it was funny casey casey is saying that because i know, holding on to Vine, so maybe he's moving on to Vine, the platform. <laughs> Which is shutting down. <laughs> Which is dead. Anyway. Yeah, I don't know. I've been, like, I, I was trying to think, like, what kind of projects that I stopped. And I certainly, like, dropped a bunch. But, I, like, from a long time, I've always, like, known that for my side projects, I needed to choose projects that weren't an on an ongoing basis that I could mm -hmm. like just do release and then never look at it again. Um, so a lot of them are like apps or like one-off like ideas or like helping out a friend for like a poster or a logo or something like that. And to me, like that's been always like an important rule um, to be like really conscious of, okay, is this something that I need to maintain continuously mm -hmm. um and if that's the case that doesn't mean that like i automatically don't do that don't, don't do it but i need to like have that be an exception um so one of the like big exceptions to that is this podcast this podcast is every week um and it requires like a couple hours every week um like doing some research uh like contacting sponsors, uh, collecting the show notes, all of that stuff, recording. So um, that's still like kind of a big commitment, um, but I love it and I'm still learning a lot. And I mean, like it's it's just fun to do, right? Like <laughs> it feels like I'm yeah. just chatting with a friend and then other people get to listen to it, uh, which is amazing. And my other project that I have that's like on an ongoing basis um, is the Des Montreal Design Club, um, which is this like uh, monthly-ish event for designers in Montreal. And I used to run that like side project on my own, like for like, I don't know, maybe five or six events or something like that. But I realized that it took way too much of my time. Like when I would organize something, it would like take hours and hours and... Um, after a while, it's like that, that process like really stopped being fun to me. Uh, and it just felt like this chore that like, oh gosh, I have to organize another one. And I loved it when, when we actually did the event and I got to see and meet people, but the uh, like organization phase was 
pretty daunting. So, but I knew I didn't want to like let it go. Um, cause I, I, I was like, this is a bit like the reflection you've had. This is important for the community. And I love like, actually like once it's done and I, like we're doing the event, like then that's the really fun part to me. Um, so what I decided is rather than, uh, completely shut down this project, to try to find other people to help me um, so that it wasn't like all on my shoulders anymore, that it was more of a shared responsibility. And that way, to me, it brought back some of the fun um, that I had initially because um, now I get to collaborate with like awesome people uh, to work, to organize it. Um, and we can do like much better stuff and it like doesn't take over our, our entire life uh, for any of us. Um, so that's also like a, an interesting um like alternative to quitting your side projects. Uh, but I definitely like don't blame anyone who like <laughs> feel, who feels like, you know what, I'm just like done with this side project and I want to do something else. Um, and I think especially like when your side projects are very public on the internet, people can get mad. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm sure if you read some of the comments in the, in the YouTube, uh, like comment section, which you should never do, by the way, uh, <laughs> you can see some pretty nasty comments there. Um, yeah. but <laughs> I like totally respect that, um, like confidence in saying, you know what I'm done here. Like I'm going to go and try to find something else. Like that takes a lot of courage. Um, and I think it's, it's really healthy and and good to be able to recognize that. Yeah. And it takes guts. Like it's hard. Yeah. Especially if if you're successful doing something, moving away from it, it's, you know, it's not easy. (laughs) I've been, (laughs) I've been listening to this song on repeat all day called it's not easy. (laughs) I just came back. (laughs) Anyways, <laughs> it's a really good song. You should check it out. All right. Uh, anything else on this? Not really. Uh, I think like this is rehashing some previous discussions we had, but I don't know with this Casey thing, uh, I think it was relevant. Um, before we move to our main topic, I guess, uh, <laughs> I, I, let me just talk about this Apple book, sure. uh, the Mac book. So uh, Apple is selling a book, a coffee table book of photography of its products from the last 20 years or so. Uh, it's selling for 200 or 300 depending on the size. Uh, they have a smaller and a bigger size. This has generated some controversy on Twitter. <laughs> I think it was I think it's funny because we talked about portfolios last uh, last week. Uh, should designers have a portfolio? This is like Johnny Ives portfolio. He's <laughs> <laughs> just charging money for it. Which is amazing. Uh, so <laughs> That's a pretty cool way to see it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you should charge for your portfolio. Uh, <laughs> should the designer charge for their portfolio? Like, I don't want to. I don't want to delve into it. Uh, people think it's ridiculous. Apple is selling a book for this, like, for this amount of money. It's not. If you take a look at like art books, uh, that this is like usually how much they cost. I'm not a big fan of Apple doing this per se, just because Apple doesn't usually, well, famously from the past never dwell into the past always looking forward to the future and Steve Jobs famously when he got back at Apple uh, 1998 something like that uh, Apple had like a museum of his old products and Steve Jobs was like 
famously said something like, "What? Let's just ship this shit to Stanford or something." So they just donated the entire uh, the entire museum that they had to Stanford or something, because uh, Steve Jobs was like, N- "Let's now look at the past," and now they are. And I feel it's weird. It's a bit out of character. It's okay. I don't have strong emotions uh, and feels about this. It's all right. If you want to buy, I know you bought one. <laughs> uh, yes, I'm in the process of buying one. I would like to have it, but I just can't afford. Like I can't justify spending two hundred or three hundred uh, dollars on a book. Says the guy who spends incredible amounts of money on camera gear. <laughs> <Shut up. laughs> uh, but I mean. I, I, as soon as I saw it, I was like, there is no way I am not buying this book. I mm-hmm. just have to have it. And <laughs> I know it's silly and I know it's I expensive. It's not silly. But it looks totally awesome. Um, mm-hmm. And if, if I can think of like anything that like really kind of like inspired me and to like do what I do today and really like, uh, made me appreciate good design. It's certainly the the work of uh, of Johnny Ive. Um, mm-hmm. So to me, it was like no brainer. I totally want one. It kind of hurts like to, <laughs> to pay that much for it, um, but I'm I'll be super glad to have it in like 10, 20 years when I can look back at that stuff and be and reminisce of that about all that great design. So yeah. Yeah, and don't feel bad. If you if you bought this book, and by you I mean the audience and whoever's listening to this, if you bought this book, don't feel bad or like try to be embarrassed by it. <laughs> my so I'm a very impulsive buyer, uh, consumer. But my rule, <laughs> like the the excuse that I use for myself is like, if you know that you will eventually buy this, just buy it now. <laughs> like at least you're gonna, you know, you're gonna enjoy it for the most you know period of time yeah like like the playstation vr i was planning on buying it for christmas or whatever i saw it and i'm like i know i'm gonna buy this i know so let's just buy it now like at least you know i enjoyed it for a longer period of time yeah right makes sense that's that's my that's the the, the my rule <laughs> if you're on the fence well think about it so it's like this apple book is like if you know you really enjoy it you really want this just do it. Don't don't feel ashamed of whatever. It's yep. So big to thanks spent. to uh, my friend jo- Ryan Jones for uh, helping me get this book because it's not on sale in Canada. But yeah, uh, so I don't have it yet, but should hopefully have it soon. So they have it here uh, at the Union Square uh, Apple Store. Mm. I saw it was on like the tables and stuff. I was not expecting that. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet, so I haven't been to the store since the releases. I am really afraid that once I see it in person, <laughs> I'm going to just buy it. I really don't want to, but God help me. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I'm strong enough. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm definitely curious. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a beautiful book. Yeah. I love the, the cover, the white on white. Uh, I'm a sucker for that. Actually, I, I, like last uh, Friday, I had to design this one page, very simple, one page, template status page, right? Uh, like if the status of a service, whatever. Mm-hmm. Very small, uh, like it's not a side project because it was for Netlify. But anyway, um, I had a lot of fun. And actually this white on white was like a big inspiration for me. I had a shit ton of fun just designing this little thing. I'm a sucker for that. Um, white on white or black on black, 
uh, I remember uh, like a, a while ago now, I had one of my website redesigns was also black and black from uh, inspired by this page by Frank Chimero. Chimero? I don't know how to spell. Uh, I don't know either. <laughs> pronounce his name. Chimero, Chimero, Chimero. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, I'm a sucker for that. I love uh, I love that style and this the cover is beautiful. Again, it's white on white. I'm gonna try to see if I can check it out at the Apple Store. Yeah, tomorrow maybe. <laughs> I'm sure you're gonna buy one. <laughs> okay, main topic for this week, which is like we're already uh, halfway through. One of our listeners, uh, Quito, 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 uh, he reached out to us on the Twitters. And he, he proposed like a, um, a topic for us to talk about. And I'm going to like paraphrase what he said. So by the way, Quito, I think, I hope it's okay if we, <laughs> I believe it is, just to quote you. Um, so Quito wants to know our opinion. His uh, first name is Henry, by the way. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah. Okay. He wants, to, he wants to know what we think about uh, UX designers and UI designers. Like if it should be the same or if it's a different profession. Um So I'm paraphrasing here, but he asked, where I work at, the the UX designers don't really design anything. They just work on wireframes and research. Uh, and the same goes to uh, UI designers. Uh, they only receive wireframes and turn them into layouts. I think this is limiting and not very productive, kind of dated way of working, in my opinion. Uh, but I'd love to know what you guys think about that on an episode. So here we are. By the way, I don't think it's fair um, <laughs> for you to say that Uh, if they just work on wireframes and research, they don't design anything. Uh, <laughs> that's part of design. But yeah, I have strong opinions on this. All right. <sighs> you want to start? Let's hear them. Yeah, should I? Yeah, start. Okay, I famously been on rants saying that UX designer is not a thing. I know it's not fair, uh, just the way I felt. Like, I feel if you are a designer... You are a user experience designer. If you're even if you're just doing, I don't know, animation, you are taking into account the experience for the user of that animation. Uh, if you are just designing, uh, like UI, so basically you skip the wireframes, you should take into account the experience, like even just visual things. If you're using a card-based layout and you're designing cards and designing. Uh, the drop shadows and all, you should think about the experience of the user using that. Is that intuitive? Is that clean? Does that create enough visual hierarchy between components and yeah. stuff like that? Um, so, But that's, when, okay, so that's like the the word part, right? Like a UX designer. Basically, I believe every designer is a user experience designer. If I can go like beyond that, I think everyone at your company should care about the UX. Yeah, oh, even absolutely. your developers, right? Absolutely. So when when I hear people saying I am just a UX designer, I mean, well, everyone is a UX designer. So what exactly do you do? Uh, and I know it's not fair because well, I come from a very like small team, startup, chaotic. Everyone really does everything that they can. Um, uh, type of company, right? Um, So I know it's not fair because I never worked at Google or Facebook when they have a, a gazillion uh, designers. And of course you need this more specific like separation of responsibilities between designers. So because I don't have that contact with that, with that environment, I know maybe it's not fair for me to say this. Um, 
So if you are a designer who just focus on the wireframe part of a product and maybe some research and stuff, um, that's completely fair and valid and important, but I don't think that's a user experience, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, I briefly worked with just like UX designer only. Like, so <laughs> it, like if we can find a word that like maybe exemplifies like what we mean better, like, a wireframe designer basically <laughs> and i like absolutely hated it like it just like w really wasn't for me <laughs> but do you it, have that on shopify like just ux designers uh not as far as i'm aware of um mm -hmm. I, like there may be <laughs> some in uh other offices but definitely not in montreal so yeah, I can't I I can't speak for like the entire uh, organization, but I, like I I'd say no, <laughs> but <laughs> but I don't know for sure. Um, if if we do have them, they're very rare. So I I actually like a couple hours ago before started recording, I tweeted, uh, "What is a user experience designer?" and uh, Nick Luigmans, <laughs> Luigmans, Luigmans at Nilo, or Nilo. Um, he tweeted to me this link from Greg Beldum, uh, who's uh, formerly design director at Shopify. Hey, it's this Medium post. Uh, it's titled "Let's Talk About the UX Designer." I was hoping that this uh, article, uh, this piece, would like answer it for me, and it didn't. No, basically. What it says is UX is everything, which is kind of like, you know, the, the position where I come from, um, that, you know, basically <laughs> it touches everything, every step of the product design process. So the strategy and planning, the wireframing, prototyping, the UI and visual design, the motion design, right? Everything up until implementation. Basically, it's like design, uh, user experience design is everything. So if you are a UX designer... Isn't that like limiting yourself? You just care about the experience, so you don't care about the visuals, or you don't care about the, the motion, you don't care about the... I don't think that's... I feel like this is a problem of uh, this trend that probably started in, what, like 2010, 11? This trend of calling it UX slash UI designer, because it looks cool. UX, it has an X, everything X, it looks cool. Um what designers following trends? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> what? Uh, and I feel like th this was brought up because it was also at the point that design in a company was gaining more and more importance and traction and exposure, right? Uh, not yeah. for designers, because designers always knew the importance of design, but for non-designers, like for the CEO and the managers and like design is really important. Why? Because it's not just how it looks, it's how it works. Um, I hate to quote this. I'm sorry. Um, so this importance was become more and more apparent for managers, CEOs and non-designers. And because this notion that design was not just how it looks, uh, it's also how it works and how the, like the whole experience is crafted so i felt that we found a need to create this title user experience because that's what you are selling now you know what designers they don't they don't just look pretty things we design the experience so i think this was picked up by this 
trend of like communicating the importance of design and how the experience is so important. So you call yourself user experience designer. Uh, but I feel like that was implicit if you're a designer since, since day one, but it was just a way to kind of like sell yourself. You know what? I really care about the experience because you know what? This is so important. Like you read in every article in the past two years, this is so important. So hire me because I'm a user experience designer. And I mean, I, I, we still hear this. Um, I think I also had in my like Twitter bio UX slash UI designer for like a week. And then I <laughs> so ashamed and I crawled back to my hole. Uh, but I feel like the new trend is like product designer, which is something that Facebook is really pushing. Uh, in the end, we're just designers. Like that's my title. I'm a designer. I don't care. Uh, I, th I feel like we are just uh, moving along between trends and what's cool because you are selling a position. Like if you are hiring someone, you are selling this position. Look how cool it is, uh, right? So I feel like that's it. It's just semantics. It's just what do you call what. So, Okay. Uh, I also have lots of thoughts <laughs> on this whole thing. So, yeah, I, as I was like briefly saying, I worked in the past like in an agency where like... <laughs> you have the UX designer and then you have the UI designer. And I think like you're doing a terrible disservice to both of them uh, mm -hmm. to like kind of limit the scope of their work to like being like one thing. Um, like let's, let's like imagine a like you pure like UX designer and like giant air quotes here. Like um, this is someone who is going to, um, do some research, I guess, um, like where I worked, um, like there weren't a lot of research. <laughs> um, this is prior to Shopify, by the way. Um, won't name the company. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, like usually it was mostly just doing wireframes based on what, whatever the client said. <laughs> um, and, and then I was like sort of the UI designer cause I just started there and like, I was my visual, my like visual design skills were, I'd say like stronger, I guess. So, um, and they had this like kind of waterfall process where like they would go and talk to the client, uh, and then they'd produce these God awful wireframes and then mm -hmm. they'd head it out to me and be like, okay, make it pretty now. And this was absolutely horrible. Um, I really did not enjoy it at all. I was, one like incredibly hard like you don't fully appreciate how um like how tightly related how something looks and how it works is until you try to separate those things <laughs> like it was unbelievable in, in my mind like you'd have like a six column grid with like articles and then like when you put it that in a website you're like there's like two words per line here <laughs> Like, this clearly doesn't work you know like you if you like actually put more than just like lines instead of real text you would figure that out but like you get this these like horrible like boring like terrible wireframes that are just like it was just like okay you're gonna have like a bunch of like sharing icons here and you're gonna have like text somewhere and then you're gonna have a, an image and it's just like seriously like you could have like written down like a list on your a piece of paper and that would have been more useful than like your weird like wireframe. 
to me, like, I don't know, like there might be some like really good and really talented UX designers out there. Like, I don't doubt that. Um, but I just think that it's almost like uh, to me, like the, the same thinking that, uh, makes some certain people think that like most of the value in something is the idea. And I'm sorry to tell you that like it has everything to do about like the actual implementation and how you deliver yeah. on that idea. Um, and, and to me, like the actual output, like the visual result is that implementation of the idea. If you can't make it work in a like visual way, that makes sense. Then you'd, you will have failed. Even if you have like those, super ugly wireframes that you're really proud of. <laughs> um, and then UI designers aren't better, right? Like, I mean, like if your like entire job is just like, like choosing if you want like a five like pixel drop shadow or, or like 25 pixel drop shadow <laughs> and picking colors like that, you're not bringing a lot of value here. Um, so to, to me, like it's, it's just like, I feel like if you're like designing UX, you're gonna invariably influence uh, some decisions on the UI side. And if you're doing uh, the UI, then you're like forcibly gonna influence what the experience of, of using the product is. Absolutely. So like really, like <laughs> doesn't make any sense to separate those things. However, uh, what I think is that there's definitely like. Um, I don't know how they call this, like, uh, like areas of expertise within mm. designers. So you can have like, at, for example, like at, at Shopify, like in our office, um, we don't hire like differently for UX or UI designers. Like we hire designers. Um, and these people are expected to do both the UX and the UI. Like there's clearly some people that are better at, the user experience stuff, like figuring out a complex problem and how, um, like what the flow is going to be and stuff like that, then actually like designing the, the, the visual stuff in sketch. And there's definitely people that are, are like way better at, at designing the UI. Um, but to me, it's like, if you want to be good at one, you really have to learn how to master the other. Like these two things are inseparable. Um, and so to like for us, um, like my job is helping designers kind of, uh, fill in sort of, sort of those gaps in like the work that they do. So if they're stronger in UX, then we're going to work a lot more on their visual skills, um, and vice versa. Uh, but the, the idea is to have like a well-rounded designer at the end of it. <laughs> and to me, like that produces way better outcomes and way better results and yeah i just like think it is like every time i see those like being separated and you often see like um uh, those images like for example like the the path like in the grass <laughs> you have like one side oh this is ux and the paved path this is ui like no this doesn't make sense at all wasn't it sebastian the with that was started that whole like, yes, but the first one, like the path one, was yeah, yeah, was a, like cool. supposed to be a legit example, which like still doesn't make any sense to me. And I'm trying to get the find the tweet from Sebastian. Yeah, I think, uh, I think it's Sebastian. Louis Mentia like, also has like a bunch of really funny ones. <laughs> basically, they they had two random 
photos and just label <laughs> UI and UX in which one of them. Uh, yeah, that's hilarious. Um, so, yeah, where do we go from here, I guess? Um, uh, I'd say, like, try to really pitch your company on, like, the value of having a more kind of like more in integrated uh, kind of workflow where you doing your own research and like doing some of the wireframes is going to like be able to provide more value to the company um, in the long term. And like rather than have two separate roles, have people with different types of skills that uh, teach each other so that um, like all your designers now know how to do UI and know how to do UX. Uh, to me, that's a lot like stronger uh team to have so i don't know do you have any more thoughts on this not really i think we, we both covered it pretty well i think just the one thing that maybe it's missing from all this discussion is you know when you do work at big companies google facebook apple you do need that very very specific set of skills and it's not just like a well-rounded product designer do you though I believe so. So let's say uh, the, the the best example for me is illustration because uh, I, I suck at illustration. I don't know how to illustrate. But I think it's very important on... Like it can be very useful on a design. Mm -hmm. So you need to bring in bring in like a good illustrator. An illustrator is also a designer uh, most of the times. Uh, so do you need that illustrator to be like as good as everything, just like you? Do you need to be very comfortable in illustration and prototyping and research and all that? Um, I think there, there is definitely room for being focused on this particular set of skills, um, but having the context and having the knowledge of everything as well. Uh, so yeah, I think that's the only thing missing that I really don't have that experience on. You know, it's hard. Um, but again, yeah, I think user experience touches all the all the different uh, parts of the of the process, right? So yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm trying to think like in my mind why I think it's acceptable to have someone uh, different do the illustrations than have someone do like UI and UX. Like two different people have. Uh, do that and to me I think what where it comes down to is like <laughs> I would like find it equally as unacceptable if someone basically like <laughs> took a napkin <laughs> and like drew like this is what I want my illustration to be like and do like stick figures and shit and then pass that on to another person to actually like go in illustrator and like create a vector illustration. Like I think that's the equivalent of like having separate UI versus UX designers. Um, and like, like illustration and design, I almost like see those things as more separate. Um, Definitely. and it's it, yeah. like, it's certainly a, uh, Plus, like if you can do both, I think you can do like some really awesome stuff that like two different people couldn't do um, the same way that um, if you can design and code, then that's amazing. That's great. And yeah. you'll be able to like do really awesome stuff. Uh, but it's also acceptable to have like the work with other developers to like code your interfaces. Mm -hmm. um, 
so that's kind of where I draw the line. Because um, to me, like, really, like, the UI is the, like, and is the UX, and the UX is the UI. Definitely. Just like if you are a kick-ass uh, motion designer, you can, you know, you can design this very complex animations in directions. That's definitely like a very specific set of skills. You don't, you don't, you don't expect every designer to be awesome at 3D animation interactions of elements, right? Mm-hmm. But if you're designing motion and interaction on a on a product, on a web page, whatever, y- you really have to consider the experience. Um, like what's the what's the point of this animation? What what value is it bringing? Uh, is it intuitive? Does it, does it make sense? Right? Experience is also there. So yeah, anyway. yeah, definitely. And I I I really like uh, designers who have kind of like that extra skill. Um, and mm-hmm. that that extra skill might be coding, might be prototyping, might be illustration, might be photography, might be like three D. Who knows, right? But or like motion or whatever. VR. And like those people like really bring a lot to the team. And when I'm building a team, I'm trying to find those people who like have this kind of like strange path that they came into design from like from the world of animation or something like that. You know, like. And that's super valuable to me because they can teach a lot of people uh, and they have like a very different way to see things. Um, And that's like super cool to me. And I love working with those people who are like kind of hybrids in a way. So yeah, anything else on this? Mm, No, I think it's it. That's it. Ah, I felt good. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Enrique, what was the name of the listener? Enrique Guido? Thanks so much for bringing this topic. Yeah, great question. That, yeah, it definitely was. Um, if anyone else have uh, interesting topics or, uh, uh, I don't know, food for thought that you would like us to talk about, please uh, reach to us on Twitter or email or the websites or, I don't know, whatever, <laughs> Facebook, I guess. Reach out to us and let us, let us know. We, we welcome all this type of interaction between us, listeners and hosts and stuff. It's cool. Okay, uh, so now's the time for recommendations. So my recommendation this week is uh, this talk from uh, Linda Dong at uh, Layers uh, this year. Um, She gave a talk on magical realism and designing for wonder. Um, And it's a really awesome talk. and she tells you about the Latitude Society. Have you heard about this? Um, I'm pretty sure I saw this talk already. Okay. <laughs> I don't remember. Okay. Um, you can watch a video. It's on Vimeo. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not going to spoil it too much, um, but I did not know about the Latitude Society before. And holy shit. It's amazing. Um, and the way she does it and tell the story is really engaging and interesting uh, and fun. And it made me think a lot about like what our role as a designer is and how we can like uh, like introduce a sense of wonder uh, into the experiences we create uh, and like not always focus too much on optimizing every single bit. Uh, and focus on just like creating a delightful experience. Um, so really cool talk, really interesting. Uh, highly recommend you watch it. Um, and 
they basically have like t uh, all the videos for all the talks. Uh, and I haven't watched all of them, but they're all pretty good. So check it out. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw this already, but I'm going to watch it again. Uh, my recommendation is a movie. It's currently in theaters now. Uh, and it's called Arrival. Have you heard about this? Have you seen it? Uh, I, I saw the trailer, but I mm -hmm. haven't seen it yet. So it's a sci-fi movie. Uh, it stars um, Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner. Mm -hmm. um, and it's it's an amazing movie. I It's one of my favorite movies this year, at least. Oh, awesome. It's, it's like, so the, let me pull up IMDb here. It's directed uh, by uh, Denis Villeneuve, which is from Montreal. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I just saw his past work. I, I was not familiar with his work, but apparently he's directing the new uh, Blade Runner. Yes, cool. yeah, and he's an awesome director. So it's it's a movie about aliens. The aliens land in Earth, um, but it's not. It's like it's it's like a movie for your brain. Like it's, <laughs> a movie for your brain. Show title. It's like it's, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's like it's a smart movie. It's not. Oh my god, aliens! Let's shoot everything in explosions. It's it's really about the intellects of humanity and not the sheer force and destruction right so i don't want to yeah. give anything away but i guess the synopsis a weird uh, like 12 uh, spaceships uh, alien spaceships uh, land on earth right and mm -hmm. we they don't say anything they don't do anything they just land on across like different uh, random places across the, the globe and amy adams is um, a linguistic linguist Linguist, whatever. She knows about languages. Uh, she's a teacher at university or whatever. She's, so, she's uh, basically the human equivalent of C-3PO. Is uh, that fair to say? C-3PO doesn't know how to speak English, though. So it's not... C-3PO? Yeah. Oh, no, sure yeah, 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 yeah. 3PO. Uh, of course. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but less, uh, less golden. He's a, uh, I don't know, language droid or something. Uh, so anyway, she's brought up to try to communicate, like, and translate this these aliens, uh, their language, and that's all I'm gonna say. Uh, <laughs> like, this was a very smart, clever movie. Mm -hmm. The only thing, and by the way, it's it's gorgeous. Like photography, it's it's, it's amazing. Looks amazing. The only thing that I didn't like about the movie is that the ending, some of the plot twists, they were just. For a movie so uh, as clever as this one, I feel like they were so obvious about like re the reveal. Me uh, as an audience, I already figured that out like five minutes ago, right? Uh -huh. They still like build up to this reveal and right. shut up. <laughs> like Bruce Willis was dead the whole time, but <laughs> but you already knew that, right? So uh, I guess th they they felt the need to be super obvious, right? And for a movie so clever as this was, I feel like. For me, it was like condescending. Like, dude, no, I know. Uh, yeah, it was obvious. Like, for me, the review was like five minutes ago. We don't mm. need to create this buildup for... Anyway, the only thing, but it doesn't take right. away for how amazing the movie is. So if you have a chance, please, uh -huh. uh, you should go check it. Have you watched Enemy? Mm, nope. With uh, Jake Gyllenhaal? Nope. Okay. Is it in theaters now? Uh, no, no, it came out in 2013. Um, Enemy. So... I don't know. It might even be on Netflix. 
highly recommend it. Oh, it's from the same director. Yeah, right? from the same director. Um, it's really, really good, and you're not gonna guess the the ending. Oh, and the story is by José Saramago, which is a Portuguese writer. Oh, awesome. There you Nobel go. Nobel Prize <laughs> writer. The, the perfect layout Wait. recommendation. Without spoiling anything, is this, in the end, there's a spider? Yes. Okay, so I, I've seen this. Okay. <laughs> did you, you okay, did you watch um, the video on YouTube that, like, explains it after it? I don't think so. I have seen this like it was a while now. Okay, there's there's like a guy who like recorded this like almost I like if I remember correctly like almost like thirty minute long YouTube video on like all the like little hints and like uh, conspiracy theories and stuff like that about the the story. It's just amazing. Like, for, for only for me, I would like put this right at the end of the movie. Like, you get the credits and then you get this video. <laughs> like, just makes the movie like a million times better. Because if you haven't noticed like all these small little details, uh, it's really cool to like have all of them like pointed out to you at the end. Can you track down that video and put it on the channel? I will try to. <laughs> not as not any mention. I think I I've, I saw it, but still. I want to rewatch it. Yeah, it's been a while, so okay, it's probably yeah. this one. The movie's from 2013, by the way. Yeah, so I don't know if it's this exact same one that I saw, but I'll try to put it in the show notes. Okay, uh, that's it for the show. Thanks so much for listening. Um, if you want to get in touch and be part of this community, I miss community, by the way, the show. Anyway, uh, go to spec.fm slash Slack and you can uh, request an invite and then you can join the Layout channel on Slack and we're all there having a party. Uh, yeah. It's fun. Uh, you can also reach out to us on the Twitters. We are at Layout.fm. Uh, we have a website. I don't know if you want to check that out. And uh, if you want to listen to more shows, more awesome shows uh, about uh, design and tech and development and all that, just go to spec.fm. Uh, how many shows do we have now? I think it's nine. Nine. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I highly recommend you check out uh, episode uh, 171 of uh, Design Details with uh, Marshall Bach and Sarah, oh. Sarah Mary. Um, yeah. It was really good. And they sort of talked about shutting down side projects. So. Yeah, that episode, I actually, like I was, I listened to it last week when I was, uh, walking here to the Spec FM HQ, and it really hit home. Dude, yeah. that episode was really, was really good. good. Uh, it was more like an informal one, um, but yeah, highly recommended as well. All right, dude, talk to you next week. Cool. Bye. Back from Portugal. <laughs>